and welcome to the Free Range Buffalo. Break free from the herd. Today, we're going back to the shoulder, Standing on the Shoulder of Giants series. And we're going to be taking a look at a one of Franklin Delano Roosevelt's FDR's fireside chats. Uh, it seemed really applicable for, uh, for today. Um, but before we go any further, I want to say welcome to my co-host, Michael Morse. Hello, everyone. So, Mike, how much do you know about uh, FDR? Uh, very little, to be truthful. I know he came up with the New Deal. I know he said we have nothing to fear but fear himself. Which, by the fear way... itself. Well, that's about it. So, just to go on a bit of a segue, think about that statement. There's nothing to fear but fear itself. It sounds really fun. It sounds like, oh, yeah. But when you really break it down, what the what does that mean? Like, <laughs> that, and FDR had a really... He, he would do this all the time. So, he was, um, he's, he was the longest-serving president, uh, four terms, uh, didn't go the full... For his fourth term, he passed away while he was in office uh, at the end, of, or just as the World War II was winding up. Um, and they actually subsequently changed the, um, the law. So that's why they only, you can only be a two-term president now because of FDR going for four. Um, so very interesting. No one also beat his record. Um, but he was president at a very tumultuous time. Um, he, he was president during the um, uh, economic collapse of the 1930s, the dirty 30s. And he instituted, yes, the New Deal. Um, but he would always do these fireside chats. When he do his, um, it was common in America, he would, he would get on the radio and the family would gather around and he would just, um, trying to speak to the um, everyday American uh, and just let them know what their government was up to, what his plans were. It was really one of the first things of direct marketing uh, that any president or um, in America would do to actually talk directly to the American people and really endeared himself to him. And it was a really cool way of um, um, involving and uh, educating the American electorate. So, um, yeah, so I want to have a listen to this. Democracy has disappeared in several other great nations. Disappeared not because the people of those nations disliked democracy, but because they had grown tired of unemployment and insecurity, of seeing their children hungry while they sat helpless in the face of government confusion, government weakness, weakness through lack of leadership in government. Finally, in desperation, they chose to sacrifice liberty in the hope of getting something to eat. We in America... They, chose, they gave up liberty for something to eat. Yeah, so <clears throat> that might sound like a weird quote for us to, to riff off. You know, we're not starving. No one in Canada is starving um, other than, I should say no one, a very small percentage of those who are below the, uh, the poverty line are starving. Um, it's not insignificant, but from an overall society level, we're not starving. We have excess food. So why am I bringing this up? Let's take it uh, a little bit more metaphorically and rewind it a little bit. Uh, we are, I think Albertans are feeling desperate. Mm. Uh, you know, food is obviously a very physical thing, but it's also 
the the hope f- of food and if you don't know where that's coming from mm-hmm. you're going to start to be desperate if there's no prospects for jobs right. uh, when you, when people start to give up hope they start to make rash decisions right. in the face of things uh, that are unknown and that's what he refers to earlier is the lack of government leadership confusion as to who is in charge and it's hard to have faith in your institutions when leadership is not being displayed and circumstances which are out of your control are being foisted upon you to detrimental outcomes to you and your family. Right. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to become angry. Yep. And uh, you could do things that that are not normally within your purview. Well, <clears throat> really, yeah. I, and you're right. Putting it into that Alberta context, and 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 for those who aren't living uh, in in Western Canada, Saskatchewan, and Alberta, those of us who've been really hit hard uh, by the last four years, uh, since 2014, actually six years of um, decline, uh, poor policy, really dancing around, and 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 now um, some hits are coming. But before we get into uh, a, a list of grievances or one of the reasons why why we're feeling that. I do want to paint a little bit of a picture to why, where FDR was coming and then why that's still relevant here too and, and, and maybe to your point. So what he was talking about in 1930s was about the fall of democracy in Germany and the fall of democracy in Italy and then the rise of fascism and then subsequently Nazism. And through the eyes of someone who lives in the 21st century, it just seems like how, 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 would those, how would those political systems have arisen? The reason why they rose was because the democratic governments, the Weimar Republic in Germany and, and the governments of Italy were not able to provide basic functions. All they did was fight and uh, discuss in committee. They never provided the leadership in critical moments when their economies were flatlining, when people were, not, were out of work. They didn't have any pride in themselves. They were the whipping boy. They, the, the hits just kept on coming. And Germany in particular, but, but also Italy. The, the reason why they were able to fall under the sway of a strong man was because there was no person at the wheel of the state and that made them vulnerable. And people, when they were hungry, as FDR indicated, and they have no other options, they're going to look for, the, they're going to look for something. Flash forward to now. And it, no one would ever imagine Canada being a country where we would be this dysfunctional. I mean, the three pillars of Canada, peace, order, and good governance. And I can't speak for anyone else, but I can speak for my own perceptions, and I don't feel particularly well-governed. It doesn't feel like we have anyone who's at the wheel. There seems to be a lot of talking around but not moving the ball forward. Um, so let's, we can even talk about, okay, so we have a federal government who is actively trying to destroy an industry. Now, even if you're a climate alarmist or you feel that the world's going to end in 12 years, there's no functional way you're ever going to achieve that by um, and destroying your own country and alienating an entire se- segment of your population. You're going to rip the whole thing apart. But on the altar of your ideology, that's exactly what's happened. Then you have uh, the whole protest against the and the the rail blockades that happened throughout the end of January and February, which paralyzed the country. And, and basically, less than a thousand people, 
stopped our manufacturing and our economy. Yeah, they ground it to a halt. And that was that was a pantomime display of, of no leadership whatsoever. And for the first time, I was very upset that um, to believe that, that the ideals that I was raised about this nation are are very much not true. Right. And it's not to say that there aren't legitimate friction points and disagreements between different groups, whether they're Aboriginal or whether they're Quebecois or whether they're Western alienation. Unfortunately, when you pander to each subgroup and you go into, into different subgroups, I mean, heck, we're not even talking about the Aboriginal. We're talking like the particular strike was based off of the Wet'suwet'en, excuse my pronunciation, uh, tribe, but it wasn't just about their, their Indian uh, Act enabled council that was elected, but about their hereditary chiefs. So they had to pick a side and they negotiated with one that was not elected and they sidelined the one that was elected. And they're actually driving more wedges because now it's not even enough to talk about, like that. that's the ultimate identity politics. You're, you're, you're getting down to such um, micro levels that you're no longer, like the, the, the groups you're talking about are now getting down to individuals. Five individuals decided they wanted to take over that band. And they were, um, and that that whole wedge it was a breakdown, lack of leadership. And now we're talking, uh, we're going into uh, uh, this coronavirus, uh, COVID nineteen. Uh, they just announced a billion dollars uh, as a starting point for um, a response package. Uh, the same day, uh, Great Britain announced a fifty eight billion dollar equivalent package. Uh, including um, personal tax relief, uh, individual relief, um, major measures to ensure that their economy was being sheltered as best they could for what they see as a potentially catastrophic um, pause. I read a foolish comment on that today as to why, and their argument was that the UK is much closer to Europe, and therefore they have much greater risk. And because we're in North America, with only a few cases, we're fine. And it was just so asinine. I didn't know we didn't um, live with uh, with uh, jet planes. Oh, or, or exponential math in North America. Right, um, exponential math. Isn't that a bullocks? Yeah, but anyways, yeah. Uh, I, I had to laugh and shake my head at that, uh, sadly. But I, th- I think what F- FDR talks about is so relevant today because of what you said, because there is confusion. There's mm-hmm. lack of leadership. And people don't want to be told what to do every day, but they do want to know that some authority figure is looking out for them in times that it's needed. And when this is a time that it's needed. And I th- how I would articulate that. So FDR talks about empty stomachs, search of food. I actually think there's even maybe something a little more metaphorical, but it's even more base to the human existence. That's hope. Mm -hmm. And when people lose hope and trust, that's when the wheels fall off. We don't have to starve for people to begin to lose hope. When people have been long times out of job, we've just experienced a massive, um, our entire oil industry, is imploding because of a price war that's jumping on the back of a demand collapse in order to, between Russia and the Saudi Arabia, in order to drive out 
Western oil companies, both Texas and Canada. The war is being brought to our doorstep. And it's a triple whammy. We've had a long-term downturn in Alberta because um, price points, regulations not being competitive. So our oil industry migrated to Texas. It wasn't because of low oil prices. It was because of our own domestic decisions. We weren't able to recover. Then we got hit with uh, poor leadership, poor regulation, moving goalposts. It drove that even further down. And now the oil prices collapsed. And so the Canadian oil industry was already on the ropes. And now this is going to be a death blow that... When oil does come back, and it will, if you're ever curious about that, listen to the hydrocarbon broadcast. I still stand behind that. This is going to collapse it, and it will, there will be an oil renaissance, but it will not be under Canadian ownership. But going back to FDR, where's the hope? There's an adage we use in the investment uh, industry, and it's don't invest in the happy index. What the happy index is, is the hope and pray index. Oh, so, so don't be throwing money. Oh. When your best chance is hope and pray. Uh, I love that. You know, we have, we have the equivalent when I was in the forces. Um, hope is not a plan. Yeah, and, and, and it shouldn't be. And now we we need hope. We need to but be hope, but positive hope. about a brighter future. The hope needs to be based on a plan. But yes, it needs to be based on a plan. And yeah. you can't, well, you can't, it's hard to have hope. You can, yeah. but it's it's very hard to when you don't have a plan. Yeah. Because so, then you're then you're hoping on luck. So, and this or is divine intervention. A divine intervention. Well, hey, I would welcome that. Lord knows it feels like the dark forces have been conspiring against us for a while. But rather than getting into this death spiral of 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 doom and gloom, uh, but I think it's important. The reason I I bring up this um, this quote and, and and this this occurs to me now why I was drawn to it. Um, is because I wanted what I'm trying to narrate and what I'm trying to make a point to, and maybe it's what we're both trying to get to, is we need to take this seriously. The situation that we're finding ourselves in Alberta, in Western Canada, in Canada in general, and the West even at, a, at an even more general level, we need to be really clear-eyed on this, is that the last 50 years has not just been an inevitable uh, march of progress and of triumph of our ideals. You know, we've been really blessed after the victory of in the Cold War over the Soviet Union. We got to have a peace dividend. We got to come together. We tore down borders. Globalization, you know, strode the globe. But if we are not mindful of our legacy, of our past, of of what we are, and mindful that everyday people need to be have hope for a better future. When that goes away, things can become very destabilized very quickly. And what I don't want is for this to be our start of our dirty thirties. And we welcome a strong man and we throw away everything that we hold dear because we're looking to fill our belly either in real or, or in metaphor. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I could see it going that way. I think what needs to be established ahead of that time is a plan. Mm-hmm. Is let's discuss and agree upon some key values that we that we want to see in society, mm-hmm. and let's start trying to build up yeah. strength in our institutions again, strength in communities again. Let's get uh, let's get people hope and feeling positive right. about things because if it's not addressed, 
this separation talk will continue to increase because as strange as that might sound to some people ripping apart the federation it gives some people hope because they can hope that this new thing yeah uh, the old thing is definitely not working yeah i hope that the new thing might yeah they're hoping that phoenix will rise from the ashes if they tear asunder something might better might be built in their place and it's it's happened in the past and it's not necessarily misguided but it can lead to a lot of unintended consequences if they're not careful. Well, and, and anytime you let slip the dogs of war or and or allow the agents of chaos in, the 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 rules of unintended consequences, it just absolutely can can run amok. I mean, you can take a look through many historical examples where uh you have every intention of doing one thing and, and, and other things start. One lesson I would say from FDR, because America before Franklin Delano Roosevelt was much different than the one after. And it was because of his new deal and his new deal was socialism, getting people back to work really out of the box, thinking that even five years before, like before the collapse in 29, uh, when the stock market collapsed in the beginning of the dirty thirties, everything he proposed would have been impossible to get past. But when you're in survival mode, he thought outside the box. He thought outside of what was orthodox American politically acceptable. And he became very practical about ensuring to if, if Americans weren't going to be back to work, if they weren't going to be having full bellies, then their entire democratic experience would implode. So to that, I would challenge everyone to look outside the box. Don't look about what we did before well, you can look, I mean, of course, but be willing to challenge what is orthodox, be willing to challenge what might have happened and and maybe take a look about what could possibly be. Um, one of the things I, w- I was talking with um, uh, a Jewish friend of mine, and he reminded me of the fine Jewish tradition of the Jubilee. You know, every, uh, I believe it's every seventh year, um, all debts would be canceled. It was like a giant reset button. Uh, within the community, and they got to have a big party, and you know, everyone got to kind of restart so that we they weren't under the thumb, and that was a, that was a way of um, balancing their society. No, I don't know about you. I love a jubilee here. Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 smacks of a whole bunch of other major practical issues. I'm not saying that's an actual idea, but that's the kind of out of the box challenge i would offer to anyone is like that's how crazy out of the box we need to be and say okay what's happening here is going to be so destabilized and we need to treat it with that kind of seriousness um in order to make sure that we get to keep the best parts of our society very well said bryce i don't think i have anything to add to that well it's the first time for everything (laughs) and on that from all of us here at the Free Range Buffalo, Rome Free. Like, follow, subscribe, tell your friends.